0: This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. First reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 to 7. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth in his teaching the islands will put their hope this is what god the lord says the creator of the heavens who stretches them out who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it i the lord have called you in righteousness i will take hold of your hand i will keep you And will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Hear the word of the Lord.
1: Well, the second reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, and we'll be reading chapter 9, verse 1 to 12. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors, those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God.
2: Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light to our paths, and strength to our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. I think it's difficult for us who are able-sighted to truly get a grasp on how difficult this man's life would have been. And the Jewish law did give some provision for the blind, but for someone like this, of lower classes, blind from birth, no privilege, no opportunity to get ahead in life, it was a terrible physical state. The only possible way to make a living was to live like this, sitting near busy temple corners hoping that passers-by would give them something. But it's the disciples' question that really reveals what he faced. It's there in verse 2. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? When people saw this man, they thought, someone must have done something for him to deserve this. Whether it be his parents, and perhaps it was that his mother had worshipped in a pagan temple while she was pregnant, or even the man as he was a baby in the womb. Can you imagine the weight of this kind of judgment every day, the shame he would have felt, his own sense that he deserved this affliction, and the constant judgment from others? I think this attitude, you know, we we hear this attitude and it can sound a little primitive to us. But I think that we look for the same kinds of answers. Because I don't think the disciples are necessarily being judgmental. Instead, they're trying to make sense of how this thing could happen. Maybe because they pity this man or maybe because they're so afraid of blindness themselves. It's a natural question for all of us. To ask, why did this happen and what is a possible way out of it? And blindness is an especially apt condition for this question because sight in the Bible isn't only about visuals. It's about spiritual insight, clarity about the world and God's purposes in it. And so when the darkness of the world closes in on us or on others, we want to make sense of it. We want, like these disciples, we want to find someone who is to blame. And we see it happen when pastors proclaim God's judgment after a natural disaster. We see it in the aftermath of a financial crisis or pandemic when everyone scrambles to find who exactly is to blame. We see it in the midst of a cancer battle when well meaning observers offer simple answers or homespun remedies. In the darkness, we want answers. We want to know what can be done and to be able to see a way forward. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been working through John chapter 8, a dialogue between the Jewish leaders and Jesus. And right at the beginning of this section, Jesus declares one of the paradigmatic statements in the gospel, one of his I am statements that reveals who he is and what he's here for as the son of God. I am the light of the world, he said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so here we are in chapter 9, where Jesus' actions demonstrate what he means when he says he is the light of the world. And so in seeing what he does and hearing what he says, he gives us a way forward to begin to make sense of the darkness. And so begin to answer the disciples' question. So how does Jesus make sense of this man's affliction of blindness? Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? Well, Look at how Jesus responds in verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus completely rejects that dilemma that the disciples hold up. They believed a common worldview among pagans and Jews alike that there is a tight connection between sin and suffering, that they're intimately connected, that suffering made sense because it was the direct result of wrongdoing. But Jesus says, no, this man's affliction was not due to anything that he or anyone else had done. And so there's an essential pastoral reality for us here as we go about in our Christian lives and as we deal with darkness for ourselves. And that is that it's often impossible to make sense of the darkness. It's true that according to the Bible, there is a general relationship between sin and suffering. The world is a broken place because of our individual and collective rebellion against God. But that doesn't mean that we can draw causal lines between particular things that we've done and particular afflictions. This was the mistake of Job's friends, remember, insisting that Job must must have done something wrong. And it's the mistake of the disciples here when they ask that question, who sinned, the man or his parents? As much as we look to find fault, most often, and especially in natural evils like this, like disease or natural disasters, the darkness is too complicated and mysterious. And so we can't make sense of it. But that's not the whole story, is it? Because Jesus also claims something even more surprising, I think. Did you catch it? Again, in verse 3, this happened so that the works of God... Might be displayed in him. According to Jesus, this affliction of blindness is an opportunity for him and the disciples to show the works of God in how they respond to this man. For Jesus to demonstrate that he is the light of the world. Now we'll get back to what Jesus himself does in just a minute, but it says to us that. Although we can't make sense of the darkness, it can still be an opportunity to see and do the works of God. Last weekend, we had our St Mark's conference, and over the course of the day, we heard a series of really powerful testimonies of people experiencing God's grace in their lives, of seeing the work of God displayed even in the midst of darkness. One woman spoke about her loneliness and difficulty through covid and, the, and her experience of the work of God in him giving her comfort and in the acceptance and welcome that she found mm-hmm. among our community. Uh, one man spoke about his experience of disabling and debilitating pain, and he testified about the work of God in his life, in his gradual healing and through his Connect Group, contributing significant amounts of money towards his medical fees when he couldn't work. Even in the darkness, we can look for and experience the works of God like this. And not just experience it and and kind of look look out for it happening, but to join in with Jesus and his disciples. Did you notice the way that Jesus puts it in verse 4? As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus includes his disciples in that very work of the Father that he is doing, in bringing light to the world. And so we can continue to do the works of God for those who are afflicted. But what is it that Jesus does? How does he show the work of God in the life of this blind man? Well, he does something very strange. He bends down, spits in the dirt, mixes it up with his hand, takes those muddy fingers and wipes it into the eyes of the blind man. Now, who knows what the disciples were thinking? What's what's with this mud? Maybe they'd seen other healers use saliva uh, in the belief that saliva had healing properties and maybe the disciples were thinking, oh gosh, I I hope it works this time. Or maybe they knew that since spit can ceremonially defile, then maybe it can be used also to ceremonially cleanse, and this might make a difference. Or maybe they just thought that having spittish mud wiped in your eyes is just disgusting. I don't know, it doesn't say. But Jesus tells the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. It was a mikvah, a pool for ritual immersion and cleansing uh, before entering the temple. And at this point, What would you do if you were the blind man? You know, a rabbi comes by, rubs mud in your eyes, these eyes that have never seen before, and tells you to go wash in a pool. And, you know, this man, he's blind. It's likely that he's up near the temple. The pool of Siloam is all the way down the bottom of the hill where worshippers would go and wash themselves in preparation before heading up the hill to make their sacrifices. And for someone who is disabled like this, A journey like that could seem like forever. But the man listens to Jesus. He has faith, inexplicably has faith. He goes and he washes in the pool and he comes home seeing. So much happens here. The spit, the blood, the blind man's faith, the washing. It all happens so quickly. But at the center of it all, right there for us to see is Jesus, the light of the world, giving light to this man's darkness. And what a life-changing transformation. Imagine seeing for the very first time. This isn't someone who went blind and then was fixed. This guy had never seen. Knowing where to tread, where was safe for the first time. Seeing plants and sunrises, For the first time ever, the colours and the richness. And seeing the faces of the people who had loved him and cared for him for so long. Jesus, the light of the world, he cared for this disabled man. And transformed his life from darkness to light. Remember where we are in the Gospel of John. Not long ago in chapter 8, Jesus declared, remember, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You now, where Jesus said that? He had stood up in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles and declared that he is the light of the world. And he wasn't just talking about this one man. He was talking about giving transforming light to, To all of the nation of Israel, and so to all of the world. This man's blindness was a physical expression of the blindness and darkness that all the Jews of Israel knew. When they were cast into exile, the prophet Isaiah described Israel as groping in the dark, blind to how they should live, and blinded to the light of eternal life from God. And so this Feast of Tabernacles where this is happening included the festival of lights that celebrated God's guiding light for them in the past through the wilderness. And it looked forward to God's God-giving light, shining light into Jerusalem that shone out to the world to bring light in the darkness to the rest of the world. And so this experience of darkness for Israel reflected the experience of a whole world that was in darkness, that's far from God and far from the light of life. And it's that world into which Jesus brings his light. A light that exposes and judges, but also brings salvation and healing and life. Eternal life and light for along the way. So when this this man felt that warm graininess of spit mud from the mouth of the Son of God in his eyes and the fresh chill of the cleansing waters of Siloam and the stunning vision of colour and movement, he experienced a foretaste of the light and life that God is giving to all his people and offering to the world. We started considering a way forward in the midst of darkness and affliction. We can't make sense of it, though we can do join in with the works of God in it. But ultimately, the way out of it is through Jesus, the light of the world, who gives sight to us who live in darkness. As the light of the world, he dies for our sin, shows us the way to God the Father, He reveals the truth to us about ourselves, about our lives, about God, and gives you eternal life, gives you his spirit as a light along the way. And so the question is, when you experience darkness and affliction, whatever it is, how do you respond? What's your default way forward? So easy to toughen up, to try harder, just to bare-knuckle our way through it. Or on the other hand, to be kind to yourself, to take a step back, to maybe take a different tack, try, what, try something different. Now, I don't want to downplay the importance and impact of taking steps like these, but our deepest problems aren't physical or emotional or mental. Our deepest problem is that we are spiritually afflicted and spiritually blind and so what we need most in all of our troubles is the healing and light of Jesus the light of the world but there's a problem here in this story because if Jesus is this revealing light giving light to everybody why is everyone so confused why don't they get it the blind man blind man's neighbors they meet him and they can't believe what they see. This guy, he used to sit and beg, but here he is looking at them, walking around freely. Oh, that That's him, right? And others say, no, it can't be him. It only looks like him. The man has to get up and say, no, no, it's me. Believe me. Well, how can you see? They ask. It's a fair enough question. But even the man, he doesn't know much. All he knows is that someone called Jesus came and spat, made the mud, put it in his eyes, told him to wash, so he washed, and now he can see. Well, where is Jesus, they ask? And of course, in a city like Jerusalem, swollen with all those people coming for the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus could be anywhere. I don't know where where he is. For a story about the blind coming to see, These people are surely in the dark, still in the dark. But for all this confusion, we can still see how we are called to open our eyes to see the light and our mouths to speak about the light. Because consider the confused crowd, the women and men who see what Jesus did, but they just don't get it. They remain in the dark and yet look at what they do. They ask, they investigate, they inquire. It might be that you're here today in a similar position. You think there might be something to this, but you're not yet convinced. Like Hoy mentioned in her testimony, maybe you're attracted to this light, but you still need to see it more for yourself. I want to urge you, keep asking, keep investigating, keep inquiring. Keep reading the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, talk to me at the door. I will get one for you today. Join in with, with Alpha that's just started. Come and see Jesus, the light of the world, and how he can change your life. Now, On the other hand, consider the blind man, the blind man who was healed. He trusts Jesus and he experiences Jesus' light in the darkness, but he's still a bit in the dark. He doesn't know much about who Jesus is, but he knows that he's been transformed. And so what does he do? He witnesses. He testifies to what he knows, to what it is that he's experienced, what Jesus has done for him. And maybe you're here today in a similar place. You've experienced Jesus' light in your life. Maybe you feel like you don't know a lot. Again, it was so encouraging to hear Hoy's testimony. And she says, I've just become a Christian, but did you hear the way that she witnessed to the transforming power of Jesus in her life? Just, just like this man. And so like this man, everyone is called to trust Jesus for healing and then to witness to what he has done in our lives. And actually for us, we have seen so much more of Jesus We've seen to the end of the story, and we have his spirit. And so if this man can just tell his story like that, how much more can we? As people who have experienced Jesus transforming light, we are all called to witness to Jesus like this man did. Now imagine that you're being questioned like this, that you're there, and people have seen your transformation, and they say, What's happened? How did this happen? What's your story? What would you say? What's your story? Your witness and testimony to what Jesus has done in your life. Well, here's a challenge for you this week. Take some time to reflect and write it down. Even just beginning with, even just for yourself. Answer that question. How then were your eyes opened? How has Jesus changed your life? And then the next step is to find someone to tell it to. Maybe it could be someone here, someone who you feel feel uh, that you trust, who you're comfortable with, or someone in your family, or even someone who isn't a Christian. Because bearing witness to Jesus' life it can seem like an increasingly difficult task in this dark world. But In this world that's full of darkness, what everyone needs, what this world needs, is this light that they can only get in Jesus Christ. This transforming light that shines in the darkness and gives sight to the blind. Let me pray and ask God for his help as we seek to do that. Our Father, we thank you for the work that you did through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his disciples, that you continue to do for us through us today. Thank you for the transformed life of this blind man and thank you for the way that you transform our lives through Jesus Christ. Father, please would you help us as we seek to increasingly open our eyes to the reality of Jesus. And please would you give us great courage, as we seek to witness to His transforming light in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarchsdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources, and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.